0: God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and we baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation.
1: Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to everyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved.
2: Amen. Thank you both. So this is part of Peter's sermon after the, um, uh, the Holy Spirit was given at Pentecost. And uh, Ron last week brought us the, the Old Testament uh, reading that, uh, that Peter spoke about, about Joel and about the young men dreaming dreams, old men seeing visions. Now we continue to see what else Peter said and how the church was born. Andy, can we have the start of the reading again, please? Thank you. Now, what, whether Peter realised it, he actually made six points, very briefly. Verse 22, the first one up here, about Jesus' life and his ministry. Jesus was a man accredited to God by miracles. He talked about his, his earthly life. And then went on, in verse 23, to talk about his death. nailing him to the cross at the end of that verse where his life, his death, and then in verse 24, his resurrection. Can you see this? But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death. So he talked about his life, his death, his resurrection. That's three points. Then the reading continues to talk about David, which we won't focus on today. And then can we move down to verse 33? And is that Okay. And then Peter talked about his exaltation. Exaltation up to heaven, and from heaven could send his Holy Spirit. Of course, a key idea for, for Pentecost that we talked about last week, but also for the rest of our lives. And then, verse 37, the salvation. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart as they heard about Jesus' his life, his death, his resurrection. Remember, this is all new to them. And how he was exalted into, uh, before God and would send, has sent his Holy Spirit. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? How do we respond to this? the need for salvation. Well, in verse 38, Peter replied these powerful words, important words, repent and be baptised. Repent, turn away from your sins and be baptised. It was interesting they should say be baptised because at this time that was only for the Gentiles, not for the Jews. If a Gentile converted to Judaism, they had to be baptised. Repent and be baptised. Every one of you, something new was happening. The Christian faith was beginning. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, for all who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. Now, some say that the Holy Spirit was only sent just to launch things off. I see no biblical um, uh, precedent for that. And we have seen and experienced the Holy Spirit still alive and active. And in these times, as we've been leading service on discipleship, been concentrating on the compass. Can we have the compass up, please, Andy? For those of uh, of you who remember, it's the four basic works of, of this Holy Spirit. Can anybody remember what the north one was, is? Yes, Chris. Close. That's another one. It's a good guess that that's uh, another one. The north. What does N stand for? Press the button, Andy. New birth. Okay, that's a... Uh, Um, uh, a move of the Holy Spirit when we get have new birth repent and be baptised the new birth that comes from Christ anybody remember what the east is yes Chris brilliant yes Let's see if it's right, yes, empowerment, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which uh, we've been, uh, been preaching on, and on the, the Wednesday of, of uh, this week, Treats Coffee Shop is there, and we're going to have a discussion and, and, and prayer about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. been lots of gifts being, being explored, we're going to have a discussion about that. What about the South? Josh? Brilliant sanctification. Yes. Being more Christ like, the fruit of the Spirit, like Sally led on the last family service. And then finally, Chris. Yes. We. It's actually koinonia, the having everything in common, and it's the we. The fellowship is an act of the Holy Spirit. And in this passage that we've just looked at, we've got about repent and be baptized, the new birth. We've got about the the, uh, the Holy Spirit coming in, empowerment and sanctification. Thank you. All, they all know this now, and You can knock this off. And let's uh, go on to verse 40 if we can. Because the sixth thing that Peter said was that with many words he warned them and he pleaded them save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Just note with many words, people have timed. Peter's sermon and it comes out about 10 minutes and said every preacher should preach for 10 minutes. They forget this with many other words. So that's my uh, justification for for really moving on. And he pleaded with them, save yourselves, form something new. And that's this we, this community, this new start, this new church. And their response, because that was what Sarah read. And then the response Verse 41, please, Andy. Those who accepted his message, some didn't, some did, were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Not a bad result for a sermon, is it? We might struggle a little bit today to get 3,000. Sorry? Yes. Yes. That was a fantastic response and the church was born. They didn't have a committee meeting and Peter sat around with the other apostles and said, well, what shall we do today? Oh, I don't know, let's form a church. It's a powerful move of God. Three thousand, well, what do we do with these people now? And they were learning. And then this is what happened. Yes, brilliant. And they devoted themselves in verse 42 to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer. Some fundamentals of, of church life there right from, uh, from that, that start. And, uh, and they were filled with awe and wonder. And the miraculous signs. What a fantastic church. They had everything in common. This is a koinonia. It's a Greek word, the common, the the, the fellowship. And uh, as we look at that, everyone was filled with all. Many wonders and miraculous signs were done. And then, uh, just the last bit, please, Andy. And they praised God. They met in the homes. They met in church or, well, in a public place. And the Lord added daily those who were being saved. What a fantastic start for the church. But I must tell you, it didn't last. You can read in the rest of the Bible, there are letters that there was problems, there was disputes. Everything was in common at this stage, but that didn't last. And there's really perhaps no biblical justification that it should last. But it is good when you share things, isn't it? Share things as a fellowship. Brian, thank you for the loan of this. Had you forgotten about this? Yes. There's your chain wrench back. It's good when we can just share. <laughs> and uh, the Pastoral Care Group have been working really hard on, uh, on the, the, uh, the reforming of Bee There. The idea, if you remember, that these hexagons where, where everybody is involved and everybody cares for, for, for a small group of people and, and, and some people care for them. It's this sharing in common. And we're still working uh, on it. Um, a group spent another four hours last week working on it. It's, it's trying to get it right. So, uh, so this, uh, this, hopefully, next week we'll we're really um, uh, get stuck into this. We can still continue but just be warned not everybody's warm and fluffy and cozy and cuddly. We're a bit more like porcupines. The, the closer you get to people, the prickly it can get. Have you ever noticed that? And uh, I read a story about porcupines that, and uh, they were really cold and so they gathered together for warmth. But as they gathered together, they got to know each other quite intimately, and, and they began to get a bit prickly, and, um, and, uh, and it hurt a little bit. So one of them decided to oh, sack this and went off. Sadly, it didn't last a night because of the cold. That although we struggle sometimes when we do actually hold everything to, in common, when we are close as a fellowship, it can be a bit prickly at times. But it, without the fellowship, we're lost. This church was fantastic and dynamic but then prickles began to come. But throughout the rest of the Bible and throughout the rest of Christian history we see how the church grew and survived and flourished even with the sinful members like us that are part of it. With inadequate leadership, inadequate worship groups Sorry, Adam. Paul has just come back from France. Sorry, Brian. Inadequate congregation, but still the church grew and flourished because we had an adequate God. A bit like this week, you know, that there's been all the excitement about the coalition amongst some people. A new start in politics, everything will be different. And then that guy had to resign, and people say, same old, same old. I think what we need to learn is two things, two mistakes. One mistake is that we just can't aspire to that. We just give up. We just can't do it. The other mistake is that we accept, well... Just accept that we have the bag, but not the real jewels of the faith. It's okay. It looks all right. You know, we're here in church. We 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 go through uh, our Christian life. It's okay. We we admit that we can't be like this, but it's okay being being perhaps halfway there. I think both of those are mistakes. And I'd like Andy, if you could. Perhaps if we have the lights off to see it better, the first clip—it's about five minutes long. I hope you can uh, see it and hear it, see it or hear it. It's from a, a man called Vince Antonucci, I think his name is, and uh, he describes something of, of his testimony, and then I'll continue his story. Thank you, Andy.
3: Man, I am so honored to be here. I'm a huge fan of Michael and of your church, and so it's cool to get to actually be here in person. So I'm really excited to be here, but you guys are not excited to have me. I mean, let's just be honest. Like, it's always weird having a guest speaker, right? Because you don't know anything about me. We're stuck together now for a while. It's, it's almost like you're on a blind date with a preacher, and that is no one's idea of a good time, right? There's no reality TV show coming out called Blind Date with a Preacher. And so I thought to kind of break the ice on our little blind date, I'll just sort of tell you my story a little of who I am. So here's me. Uh, My mother is actually Jewish. My father was a professional gambler poker player in Las Vegas. And so from that, you might guess that I didn't go to church a whole lot growing up. Yeah, and you'd be right. I actually never went to church one single time. And not only that, but I never had a Christian... Uh, ...approach me, or talk to me about God, or invite me to church, or mention Jesus. And so, growing up, I literally knew nothing about God, Jesus, or Christianity. And, uh, and so, I went to college, and on the Easter morning of my sophomore year in college... ...I was waiting for my girlfriend to go out to lunch. She was late, as usual. And, and so, I turned on the TV, in our dorm room, we didn't have cable, we had three channels... And as I flipped through, I found that every channel had on what I consider to be a dumb religious show. And I would have just turned the TV off, but the last one I left on for a second because it was just uh, funny. It was this older man, and he was sitting, but he was like way sunk down like this, sitting in this big red leather overstuffed chair. And uh, and so I laughed and was going to turn the TV off, but he started speaking, and I listened, and here's what he said. He said, now, we've been discussing the last week of Jesus Christ's life. And today we're going to talk about, and then he named something I don't remember because I didn't know what it was, went over my head. He said, now, most scholars believe that this event happened on the Tuesday of Jesus last week. But today I will prove to you through the evidence that it actually occurred on the Wednesday of Jesus last week. First thing I ever heard about Jesus. And I thought about that for a minute and I was like... Yeah, that is the stupidest thing I have ever heard. I mean, I admit I don't know anything about Jesus, but if he lived at all, it was like a couple thousand years ago, and you're talking about Tuesday or Wednesday. Seriously. And so I turned off the TV in disgust, knocked on the door, went out to brunch. But for some reason, I could not explain. The rest of the day, I just kept thinking about that guy, and just all these questions going through my mind, like, like why do you use the word evidence about something that long ago? I, I was a pre-law major, I ended up going to law school, I was into evidence, and... And uh, why Tuesday or Wednesday? Who cares? And was anyone ever able to get him out of that chair? You know, just all these questions. And so uh, that night, I was sitting in my girlfriend's dorm room. I looked up at her bookshelf and I noticed that she had a Bible. And I said, "Do you have a Bible?" And she's like, "Oh, yeah. Somebody gave that to me years ago. I've never even opened it." And I said, "Well, could I borrow it tonight?" And she's like, "She can have it if you don't want to throw it out." And I was like, "Cool." And so, grabbed the Bible, took it back to my dorm room. Now, I had never so much as. Touched a Bible my entire life. Okay, and so as I opened it up, I didn't know how it would be like set up, but I assumed it'd be kind of like the TV guide by day and time, because the whole Tuesday Wednesday debate that was apparently tearing up Christianity. And so uh, when I opened it, it was a student Bible. I don't know if you've seen these, but they're designed for teenagers. The first thing you get to in a student Bible it says is reading plans. And so I saw reading plan through Moses' life, David's life. I'm kind of flipping through. And I see reading plan through Jesus' life. And I'm like, all right, I'll do that one. I mean, let's figure it out. Was it Tuesday or Wednesday? Let's do this. We can, you know. And so I, I turned to the reading plan. Now, again, never read a Bible. But I was sure it would read kind of like a tall tale or a myth. You know, I, I was positive the first sentence would say, once upon a time. There lived a man named Jesus who did nice things for people and did miracles, and he had a blue ox named Babe, and he could lasso a tornado, and I would roll my eyes and throw out the Bible. And and so I was stunned when I I found that over and over the Bible says, at this time, in this particular place, this happened. And then at this other time, in this one certain town, Jesus did this. And I realized, man, you give a time and place, there would be evidence. You could find out if this really happened. And, And so now I'm intrigued. And I just kept reading the Bible just to find out what it said. And I learned for the first time in my life that the Bible claimed that there was a God and that he loved me. And that he wanted to have a relationship with me and that he sent his son Jesus to live for me and die for me. And I had never heard any of that. And I knew that I had to know if it was true. If it was, I would become a Christian. And if it wasn't, I would spend the rest of my life making fun of Christians for believing in something I could prove was false. And so I spent the next months, I'm talking like 6, 8, 10 hours a day, every day, reading the Bible and going to the library to study evidence for and against the Bible. And finally, after months of that, I was just overwhelmed. It was like all my doubts were overwhelmed by evidence and faith and by Jesus, who was the, the most amazing person I had ever encountered. And I knew that I wanted to follow him, and I decided to become a Christian. So that's kind of my story. Blind dates over ice broken. Uh, but, but like
2: and I'll continue his story. He, got, uh, he became a Christian, baptized. He'd never met another Christian apart from the man who baptized him. And uh, the man who baptized said, right, you'd better join a church. Oh, I hadn't thought about that. I don't think church is for me. No, you need to join a church. Gave him the number of a pastor. He phoned up and a, a, a woman answered the phone and he said, is a is the pastor there? And she said, "Sorry, he's not here." Oh, well, that's a problem because I was meant to be in church on Sunday. Well, that's okay. It turned out to be the minister's wife. Said, "He'll be there on Sunday. You can meet with him then." Yeah, but how will I get in? He said. You mean how will he get there? I can give you directions. No, how will I get in? And she didn't understand. What do you mean? How do we get in? Well, I wouldn't start a college course and I'd just turn up on the first day and said, here I am. How do I get into church? And she said, well, you just turn up and you walk in. You mean to say I can just get in my car, drive, park in the car park and just walk into church? Yes, she said. Oh. And it just illustrates... You know, we talk about evangelism, but it illustrates a gulf that there is. Do you know what happened when he did get to church that day? Bearing in mind, he says in his book, that um, uh, his uh, sole impression of Christians were from the media, and in particular, like the Simpsons, and so he'd seen Ned Flanders if you're into the Simpsons. That's what he thought Christians were. But then he'd read the Bible, and so he knew when he got to church, there'd be people who were dynamic, people who were on fire for God, people who were life-changing people, people who had joy and peace and hope. And so he turned up that first Sunday. I'll read what he said. Walking through the front door of that church building was like passing through a portal to a different world. So much was unfamiliar, for the first time I heard about propitiation, puppet ministry and potluck suppers. I stood for fellowship, knelt for prayer and sat on a hard wooden bench which they called a pew. I saw more polyester in one morning than I had in my entire life. I experienced church snack time which consisted of little pieces of cracker and small plastic shot glasses of grape juice. A man explained that we'd be, anyway, it goes on like this. Such was the gulf. But he knew that he'd find these dynamic people there. But instead, can we have the second clip? There were people like like this
1: See what's funny is I heard it's supposed to be this great adventure
3: and well I just haven't experienced that It seems like
1: I'm just praying to the ceiling I just, just don't
3: feel it
0: I'm supposed to be this new person
3: why don't I feel new
0: The Bible says I'm supposed to have this peace but no not so much
3: People tell me that God answers prayer
0: but I don't know I just have a
3: lot of prayers that
0: haven't been answered yet The truth is most of the time I actually get
3: bored when I read the Bible
0: I'm not sure what, what all the
3: hype's about I became a Christian, and all I got was this lousy
2: T-shirt. I became a Christian, and all I got was this lousy T-shirt. And that's the title of his book, which I happened to pick up. It was uh, when Wesley Owen was shutting down, and it was half price. And I was like, how can you resist buying a book that said that i became a christian and all i got was this lousy t-shirt and as i read it i thought what i would find was somebody who was disappointed somebody who was dissatisfied because he'd heard all of these good things and then christianity didn't stack up and all he'd got was a t-shirt out of it but that wasn't actually true that's not what this book's about Yes, there are people like in that clip who, have, who find reading the Bible boring rather than what Vince found it's really so exciting. There were people who were struggling. But there were also people who were really on fire. And those people who were struggling were just, well, trying to find out. And maybe some of us are struggling. And we, but you don't have to be on fire to come to church. You, you come here because you're trying to learn, you're trying to discover. And what the book is about, I became a Christian and all I got was this lousy t-shirt was inspired by a girl, Emily. Emily turned up one day with a t-shirt that said, my parents went to Florida and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. Have you got that? My parents went to Florida, and all I got was this lousy t shirt. And that's what he says so many of us experience. We don't go to Florida, we've just got the t shirt, which is a bit disappointing, isn't it? We want to go to Florida. That in our discipleship, sometimes we're just satisfied with just a t shirt. Whereas really, we should have this vacation, we should have this adventure, we should really go for it with God. Now yesterday, because it was Emily in the book, I got my daughter Emily and took her off to Asda and bought her a t-shirt. And now she's disappeared off to help out at Junior Church, she was going to be my model here. And it was, uh, you can see it afterwards, so all will go up to her and... um, It's a a sort of a a fake England top. England, of course, are playing in the World Cup. Her brother's going off to South Africa where England are actually playing. Whether he'll actually see a game or not, I don't know. And all she's got is a lousy (laughs) T-shirt. But that can be true of us. We're failing with that adventure. We're happy with the bag, but not with the jewels. So, therefore, we miss out on the peace, the joy, the love, the adventure, the discipleship. When Vince did meet Christians, he was disappointed. But he was also disappointed for them because they too were disappointed and yes as I mentioned they could blame the music group they could blame the minister they could blame God perhaps as he let me down and he began to think is it like some salesman who promises all these things but we know all salesmen they just exaggerate was God exaggerating? no and he realised that it was his problem and he made a vow and he vowed that He would never be satisfied with just wearing the t shirt, he would go for it. But then, and I quote again over the years, I have at times descended into the world of the t shirt wearers. I've found myself going through the motions, I've lost my purpose and passion for so long. At times, I had to put them on the back of a milk carton. In honest moments, I've asked those same despairing questions and I've been disappointed. And so he urges us in this book, and next week I'm going to share something else of what he says, to actually go on the the adventure, go on the vacation, I don't mean have a break from God, go on the adventure, it won't all be good, but even the boring bits and the difficult bits will be good because God is good. And I'll just conclude with what he says and then we'll hand over to the worship group to lead us in, in a time of just helping us to, what is God saying through all this? Because what he says is this, I love vacation and when I'm really living it I love the Christian life. It's helped me to approach my days with a sense of anticipation and it's allowed me to break out of my routines and experience adventure. But like a vacation, following Jesus is not perfect. Life of non-stop thrills. There are some boring and bad parts, but still there's something different about them, simply because I'm following Jesus. So why are so many Christians disappointed? Is it possible that we, like Emily, are missing out on the journey? Is Jesus calling us to live life with an authentic spiritual passion? but we're just wearing the t-shirt, practising a souvenir religion. And we hope that as we progress on this um, uh, year and and as Chick Yule comes and and helps us in this, to say, well, how? Yes, I want to do this, but how? But just this next week, you can do something. This week, Treats is open. It's not just open for coffee, it's open for fellowship. And Vanda's been working hard on the prayer room. That we've got, we've uh, got a prayer room there. People, we want people to pray with others. So, come along. Invite others along. There's some leaflets out there. Bring other people along. Bring them to church. This alien environment, and help them to settle because it's a coffee shop. There's lots that we can do. And then we need to just reflect upon what God is saying. Thank you. Just to tell you that um, uh, this man, Vince Antonoussi, actually became a pastor, became a minister. And after never setting foot in church, he now leads a church. About 800 people there. He said it would be more, but we keep telling the Christians to go. Because 70% of the people are not Christians. And he only wants Christians and he wants missionaries. If they want to be just a satisfied group of people having a nice time, he doesn't want them. And he's there going for it. And let us really go for this discipleship. Thank you. Let's let God speak to us as we lead led in song.